everybody in this room, everybody, there's not one single exception. Everybody watching online right now, everybody, there's not one exception. We're all scared of something. There's something that, that causes us to fear. Um, everybody. Uh, am, am I right? Every once in a while you'll meet a guy, I ain't scared of anything. And you are. You are. You, you just haven't met her yet. Um, but it's... <laughs> We're all scared of something. Like I'm, like for me, it's sna- I'm snakes. Anybody snakes? Snakes scared? Of- yeah, 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 yeah. Shannon, my wife, and Karis, my daughter, were talking the other day about. Um, they thought it'd be real funny to get one of those little remote control snakes. They're gonna get one. They're gonna scare me with it. And I was like, don't do that. She said, would you be mad at me? I was like, no, I wouldn't. Be, I wouldn't be mad at all. I would die. I would literally have a heart attack and die because they were gonna throw it in the shower. And yeah, that's gonna work out real good. Um. Spiders, I'm, I, I told you all a few weeks ago, I, I'm not scared of spiders anymore. It's a complete lie. Um, figured that out last week when I was walking outside. I was walking outside my door. A spider had spun a web, and I completely like, went the other, out the other door. I, I just re- altered my route because I didn't want to mess with the spider. Everybody's scared of something, something. Um, and, and, and fear, fear sometimes is, is a good thing. How many scared of dogs? Anybody scared of dogs? Oh, come on. It's okay to be scared. Anybody scared of cats? I am, because they were created by Satan. Um, <laughs> and we're, all, we're all scared of, of something. This morning, this morning, fear, fear will sneak up on you. So this morning, I go out for my run. I run in my garage. Um, I have a I garage, a treadmill, open the door, and it's kind of like whatever the temperature is outside, that's the temperature in my garage, and it feels so good. And I'm about two minutes into my run, and I smelled a skunk. Somebody might be like, how you know it was a skunk? You just know. If you've never smelled one, it, it, dear, it smells like Satan died. That's what it smells like. So I'm running, but I'm looking at the door. The garage door is open because I'm like, what do I do if the skunk comes in the garage? And I'm not able to focus on my run because I'm so focused on the skunk. Now, the skunk never showed up, thank God, um, because y'all would have just smelled it. It would have been horrible. But... I, I, things cause us to, to be just consumed with fear. And everybody's scared of something, which leads us to where we are with this whole situation we're in in America today. We are consumed by fear. Now, some fear is good, like healthy fear. Like it's, it's, it's good for us to teach our kids not to touch the stove, but, but unhealthy fear is not a good thing. And, and there's a difference between healthy fear and unhealthy fear. And as followers of Jesus, this, this verse has popped up so many times just in my personal time with God and just randomly driving down the road, this verse, and it's kind of the launching pad that we're going to use to launch into this um, incredibly, I think, divisive but doesn't need to be divisive subject. The Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, the very last letter he wrote was 2 Timothy. Now keep in mind that Paul, when he wrote 2 Timothy, was in jail and he knew he was going to have his head chopped off. So if, if you're going to be fearful, that's the situation where you probably want to be fearful. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these words to a young man he was mentoring named Timothy. And he said this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Now, just a really quick question. It's not a trick question. If God didn't give us a spirit of fear, who gave it? Satan, the devil, the enemy, whatever you want to call him. That's where it came from. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I love the King James Version because it says of a sound mind. In other words, the ability to make rational decisions. So with all that as a backdrop, let's talk about 2020. The year that all of us would love to erase because it was 2020 was the world's gone crazy. It's kind of like God said, I'm going to just kind of look away from the earth for a few minutes. And he looked back and we'd go nuts. 2020 started out good. But then I started hearing, I don't watch the news a lot, but every once in a while, you, you know, kind of turn on the news, and I started hearing about this thing called the coronavirus. They weren't calling it COVID-19 at first. They called it the coronavirus. And when I heard corona, I thought 
Beer, there we go. That's the second chance. This is, you can say it here. You can say it here, right? You can say it here. Other churches, you have a place in California. No, 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 no. I thought, oh, Corona has made a bad batch of beer. And I'm not making this up. This is what I thought. They made a bad batch of beer, and there's some people sick, and they shouldn't. We, we'll have it straight by Cinco de Mayo, okay? Everything will be fine. <laughs> but then they switched it up, and they started calling it COVID-19. And then they put that picture up. Y'all remember the picture they put up of the virus? I'm like, they, they found the most horrifying picture of what a germ could look like and put it up. And I was like, dear God, okay, well, I, we don't want that. And then things started shutting down. And I, 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 when they shut down the NCAA tournament in 2020, I, that's when I went, oh, wow, this is serious because that was a lot of money that the NCAA was going to lose because that tournament makes a lot of money. And then Governor McMaster came on and said they, they were kind of doing what the president had asked everybody in the United States to do, you remember this? 15 days to slow the spread. You remember that? Worked out so good. We were following the science. More on that later. Oh, it's going to be tense today, isn't it? Don't worry, I'll lighten you up in just a second. And that was a Tuesday that that happened. And the reason I know it was a Tuesday because Karis was with me and we went to the Waffle House and, um, and I asked the people at the Waffle House, I said, you know, J- Governor McMaster just announced this. I said, what are y'all going to do? They said, we're going to shut down. And I went, oh, crap, this is serious. <laughs> That's when you know the fertilizer has hit the fan, when the <laughs> Waffle House, when the Waffle House shuts down, that is serious. And I was like, dear God, the Waffle House shut down. What are we going to do? And so, so when they announced, like, the shutdown, we as a church, like, at first, the, the original reports, they were saying that within the next year, and some of you will remember this, over 2 million Americans were going to die from this disease. You remember this. I, I've got the news articles that said this. And so I'm thinking, dear God, this is horrible. So we made the decision to, to shut down the church, to go online only, and we thought everything would be fine by Easter. <laughs> it was of the next year. But we were a little off. Now, when the lockdowns first got announced, I, I, was, I was pretty excited. I'm going to be honest with you all because I'm an introvert. Now, I know a lot of people don't think I'm an introvert because you see me on stage and I'm up here and I'm animated. It's because I've been in the back drinking coffee all morning. But if you put me in a room with a group of people that I don't know, I'll be like this. And I'll find a reason to leave. I'll be like, I gotta go. Why? I gotta go check on that dude, that person, church, made that call with a guy. I mean, I'll, I'll just leave. So when everything was locked down, I was like, I can't be around anybody. This is the best day ever. I went on Amazon.com. If you can't get it on Amazon, you don't need it. Ordered a bunch of books. I was like, I'm just gonna sit, I'm gonna read. It's gonna be awesome. And it was for about three days. And then I experienced, now this list could be a lot longer, but I experienced three things that every article that I've read said that people experienced this. And every person that I've talked to, some of the people in this room, you experienced the same thing, the same feelings during these three days. And these are not good things. The first thing I felt was loneliness. Now this room for the most part, it's pretty full. Did you know that you can be in a room this size full of people and feel like you're all alone? The enemy wants you to feel all alone. You've heard me say this before. Solitude is refreshing, but loneliness is deadly. And because here's why. You know what lonely people do? They do things that they wouldn't do if they were with a group of people. Lonely people commit suicide. Lonely people abuse drugs. Lonely people do self-harm. And the suicide rate and the opioid addiction rate and the drug overdose rate during the lockdowns skyrocketed because people felt alone. Jesus, when he was on earth, this is, this, is what I, this is what I love. I love taking Christian myths and blowing them up. 
And, and one of the Christian myths, and if you've been around Second Chance, you've heard me say this for a long time, but I'll, I will preach against this until the day I die. When people go, all I need is Jesus, <laughs> you're not that godly. You know why? Because when Jesus was on earth, when Jesus, Jesus Christ was on earth, fully God, fully man, the night he was going to be crucified, Matthew tells us, and Matthew was there, so he knows. Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 26, then Jesus went with them to the olive garden called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. If Jesus wasn't enough for Jesus, then why in the world would we think that we could do life alone? I know you felt alone. I know there's some people that still feel alone. I just don't think it's God's will for us to live. The, the first thing that God said wasn't good was it's not good for man to be alone. The second thing I experienced was anxiety. Now, we all have anxiety. But I'm talking about anxiety over stuff that I don't normally worry about. Like during COVID, that's the first time in my life I've ever worried about what I was going to wipe my butt with. <laughs> don't judge me. Can't believe he's wipe my butt. Well, everybody in here does it, hopefully. Um, <laughs> what was the deal with the toilet paper? Nobody knows. I've never worried about that in my life. But I'm in Publix, walking down the aisle, going, well, no, no toilet paper. You know what? It's fine. I'm a man. I'm tough. I'll get some paper towels. A little rough. They're all right. Go paper towel off. They gone. I was like, oh, my gosh. No paper. You know what? Coffee filters work. I, had, I, was, I was trying to find everything. Finally, I was like, well, I got chance. I'm just kidding. I didn't use the dog, all right? Just said, dear God, please. So anxiety over that. Anxiety over um, hand sanitizer. Man, I, getting hand sanitizer was like a drug deal. I had a friend call me and said, man, I got some. I said, like, that's awesome. What you got? <laughs> hand sanitizer. I, was, I, was, I told everybody I didn't have any. I lied. Anxiety. Now, there was a study that came out that said the top things that people experienced anxiety over during the shutdowns were health, safety, politics, and relationships. You know what's horrible about being locked down and feeling anxiety about stuff that we're reading on our phone? You know what all of us did? We shared our anxiety with other people. Oh, my God, did you see this? We're all going to die. And, and, and so, so I, I'm, the Bible says don't be anxious. Now, I haven't got there yet, but did it seem, I'm just asking a question, did it seem like the news was trying to make us more and more and more anxious? Then the third thing I personally experienced was spiritual setbacks. Now, every article that I've read said that 90%, over 90%, the other 10% lied, but 90% of Americans felt like their relationship with Jesus did not, did not it, they didn't grow closer in their relationship with Jesus. Now, I'll just tell y'all, every single day, this is how I start my day. I've started my day like this for probably 30 years. Every morning I get up, I go straight to the kitchen, and I make coffee. Don't talk to me until I have my coffee. I don't look at my phone because it'll put me in a bad mood. I just drink my coffee, and then I go upstairs. I got like an upper room. I call it the upper room. I hang out with Jesus. I read my Bible in the upper room. That's what I do every single day. I've done it, and it's how I start my day. It doesn't make me better than anybody. It's just it's how I connect with Jesus. Um, but I realized something during this whole uh, shutdown thing. My time with Jesus is good, but like I've said, I, I need my time with Jesus, and I need my time with other people as well. And I realized I was slipping spiritually when about two to three weeks into this thing, I got, there was one, I just got mad. Probably at my dog. He did something dumb. And I said a word that I don't normally say 
I'm not going to tell you what the word was. I will tell you it rhymes with truck, luck, and duck. I was not proud of myself when I said this word. I yelled it. Fortunately, Chance was the only person around. Now, here's the thing that bothered me about me yelling that word. Because I paused in that moment and went, that's not like me. Like, you're not going to see me at Target this afternoon going, mm. I mean, I'm, see, I, I can't even, Ugh. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I'm like, well, if that's in my heart. What's wrong with, like, I'm not that guy. And I began to think about something I've taught on for years, and it's true, and you know this as well. If you've ever walked away from God, you know that your first step away from God was a step away from the people of God. If you've ever walked away from God, the very first step away from God is to stop going to church. And so for me, for me, I realized that I feel like I'm pretty spiritually mature. <laughs> Some people on Facebook might disagree. <laughs> hey, Karen. But I feel like <laughs> I'm mature than most. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. But, but I, I feel like my walk with Jesus is pretty solid. But, but if that was happening to me, what was happening to other people? And I couldn't get over this verse in Hebrews chapter 10 where the writer of Hebrews said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now, I don't know about you, but I need that. Do you need that? Do you need, do you need spiritual motivation sometimes? Do you need, would you like to have somebody every once in a while just come alongside you and go, you can do this? You know, you might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you could have been. You could do this. You're making progress. Do you need some motivation? I need motivation. Like, I need that. And then he said this, and let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us not give up meeting together. Now, I know what some people are saying. They're period. But people, people could die if we meet together. Well, here's the deal. People were dying when these verses were wrote. Like if you got caught meeting together as church, they would take you out and kill you. And so that's what he wrote. And so I remember... Toward the end of May, I began to meet with our leadership team here at the church, and I began to talk to some people, and we made the decision to open back up. Was not very popular at the time. But I've learned, as a leader, sometimes you got to take a step. You know what? If anybody's going to lead the way in our nation today, it needs to be the church because the government has proven they're not going to do it. I got more to say on that later. But, but we decided to open back up, and this is how we opened back up. Some of you remember this. We said we're going to open our doors and begin to meet again. If you're not comfortable meeting in public, then we encourage you to stay at home and watch at home, and we support you in that decision. If you want to gather together, you can come. We support that decision. If you want to wear a mask, we encourage you to wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, we're not going to make you wear a mask. We basically treated everyone like an adult. And we opened back up. Now, some people weren't, com weren't comfortable coming out, and we encouraged them and supported them and, and pr prayed with them and, and did our best. But we started meeting and had about five, six, seven hundred people. And things started going really, really, really well. And then in October... I got COVID. Now, I'm just going to do a quick survey. How many people in this room have had the COVID? Oh, wow. Okay, good. <laughs> I almost cussed. Dang. <laughs> I'm way godlier in the 915 service. It's pretty much all of us. Now, I don't know about you, but, but like, when, when I was, I, I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling good. And I was like, I am not, I am not getting, I'm not going to get tested. I'm not going to go get tested. And I woke up one morning and said, I'm getting tested. Because I just, I, I just, I just, something was off. I wasn't sick, just something was off. And um, I went and got tested, and, and that lady took that, to that swab thing. And I think it was an IQ test because she stuck it in my brain. Like I was, 
I was doing this. Which, if you're charismatic, you get points for that. But, like, I was, dear God. So she pulled it out and put it in a thing. She said, I'll call you in less than an hour. 45 minutes later, she called. I picked up. She said, Mr. Noble, you are positive. I said, I know I'm positive. I feel so good. She said, no, you, you got COVID. Now, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. My first thought when I was told I had COVID was this. I'm going to die. Because that's what, that's what had been communicated. They had, you know, they had death tickers on most of the, like the, the death tickers. You know what I'm talking about? The number of people that have died. And I'm, so I'm like, well, I, I guess I'm dead. I guess I'm going to die. So I went and got like a blood pressure thing and that thing you put on your finger that measures your blood oxygen and, and, and what else? Oh, a thermometer. I didn't have one of those. I got a thermometer and um, I just sat in my house. And I, I guess I'm going to die. Now, Shannon and I, Shannon and my wife, we were dating at the time. And I, I called her. I said, you need to go get tested for COVID because I got the COVID and you need, to get, you need to have the COVID too. And she called me back and she said, I am negative. I said, girl, I have kissed you. There is no way you are negative. Go get tested again, please. Um, and she did. She was positive, so it worked out. Um, but <laughs> I woke up the next morning at 1030. Y'all, I'm going to tell you all something about COVID. It's the best sleep I've ever had in my life. I woke up at 1030, and this was my thought. I was like, you know what? After I read my Bible today, I'm going to go for a run. <laughs> I ran every day. I ran every day during COVID. At least eight or nine miles. Now, it wasn't the fastest pace, but I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I was dying. I just decided, you know what, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out doing what I want to do. And I got some great sleep, but then I got healed up. And then Thanksgiving rolled around last year. Y'all remember Thanksgiving, the controversy? Don't meet with your family and groups. Dr. Fauci talking about the droplets, the droplets. I'm like, if you say droplets one more time. And I just, you know, I, this, was, I'm, this, was, this was my decision. As a grown adult, I decided there was a group of people getting together with Thanksgiving. I'm going to meet with that group of people. I'm going to have Thanksgiving. I'm not going to get a TV dinner and sit in a cave. I just, for me, this was my decision. I'll take quality of life. I'll, I'll take quality of life over quantity of life. Eat your TV dinner in your cave for the next 50 years by yourself. You'll be miserable. I want to enjoy being around people. None of these people were sick. None of us had fevers. We all got together. So I went to Thanksgiving, and the social media trolls came out. Mad at me because I, went, I, went, I got together with people on Thanksgiving. And I had several of them ask me. That they, said, they said, if you're a man of integrity, then wait a month and after a month, I want to know the number of people in that gathering that were infected with COVID and the number of people that died. I said, that's fair. So a month later, I posted, there were zero people infected and nobody died. And they got pissed at that. Do you know some people wake up looking to get offended? You triggered me. Whoa. It's my spiritual gift. So let's just talk about a few things. Now, this is where I love it because people have told me this week, you shouldn't speak on these things because you're not a medical doctor. And you're right, I'm not a medical doctor, but I'm a pastor. I, as a pastor, I am charged spiritually of, of, of taking care of a flock of people. I'm in charge of giving people spiritual advice. And so I'm not speaking to you as a doctor. I would not even pretend to be a doctor, but I just want to talk about several things. The first of them being covid COVID is a serious virus. Year to date, according to the CDC's website, 676,000 people have died with COVID. It's serious. There are people in this room that have had it. There's people in this room that have 
Um, you know people that have had it. You know people that have passed away with it. And so I would never, ever minimize something that has been a part of 676,000 people, like, dying. And I am not a medical, I am not that guy that is against medicine. Every once in a while, you'll, you'll meet the hyper-fundamentalist. If you had enough faith in Jesus, you wouldn't need to take your insulin if you're a diabetic. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If you're a diabetic and they give you insulin, take your insulin. That, that makes it, you know Jesus heals people supernaturally, and then sometimes he heals people through surgery? 200 years ago, if your appendix ruptured, you were dead. Today, if your appendix ruptured, they get you to the hospital, take it. In fact, I think when babies are born, they ought to just take out the appendix and the tonsils and send them home. It's just my advice. I'm not the anti-medicine guy. If, you, if you're sick, take a pill. If your doctor prescribes something, take what your doctor prescribes. I'm not that guy. Do I believe that Jesus supernaturally heals people? Yes, he did for me during COVID. Because you know the thing I was praying for in COVID? I was like, listen, Jesus, I, I, please don't take taste and smell from me because I love food. I live for my next meal. I love, love, love food. So about day three, I got up, and this is how I tested it every morning. I get up, I go to the kitchen, I put salt in my hand, I would eat the salt. Now, if I could taste the salt, that was good. And about the third or fourth day, I walked in, tasted the salt, but I didn't taste the salt. I was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> so I took Lysol and I sprayed it like with my nose right up to it and couldn't <laughs> smell it. And I prayed. I prayed like I'm, I dropped to my knees in the kitchen. I said, Jesus, I just need you to restore taste and smell. I did all my, my charismatic verses and, and everything, and that night I could taste and smell. Now, when Paul's, don't ask me to come pray for you because I, I got a very bad track record. Most people I pray for die. So just don't, I mean, you don't want that, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm all about like, I, I'm not a medical expert. I do believe God can heal supernaturally. I also believe God heals through medicine. But, but I want, I, I just, here's the deal. When it comes to information, I want us to deal with facts and truth. As a spiritual leader, I'm all about the truth. Jesus said the truth will actually set us free. So while 676,000 people have died with COVID, they haven't died of COVID. It feels like the numbers are being inflated. The majority of the people that have died with COVID have had pre-existing conditions, which does not diminish their death because death sucks. But we're not being told, if you just a simple, easy information dive will tell, will, will explain. By the way, anybody remember bird flu? 676,000 people have died of COVID. According to the CDC's website, 675,000 died of bird flu. I'm just saying the numbers don't, don't add up. I'm just saying there, it, there's, if you do, once again, just a small dive into the information, hospitals get paid extra money if the death rate is what, do you think there's any financial motivation to this virus? There's a 98.4% survival rate for people that, so when people try to compare this to smallpox, no. Smallpox killed 300 million people. 30% of people that got smallpox died. This is a serious virus. But I don't think it's what the media has been trying to sell us. Which, let's move on to something less controversial. <laughs> now, Halloween's coming. <laughs> Listen, I, I never in my life thought 
that I would see a piece of cloth become political. <laughs> Never imagined it. People have asked me, Pastor Pete, what's your stance on masks? It's real simple. If you want to wear a mask, if you feel it necessary for your safety to wear a mask, if it makes you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, I support you 1,000%. I would stand beside you and dare somebody to say something to you about it. That's how I feel. On the flip side, I do not feel it is appropriate to mandate masks when the scientific evidence to support that masks protect people is inconclusive at best and non-supportive at worst. Follow the science. Well, I'm trying to follow the science, but I feel like I'm following a drunk driver. <laughs> Anybody with me on this? Because when they first came out, they said, they said don't wear masks. You remember that? Then they said, do wear masks. Then they said, cloth masks don't work. Then they said, cloth masks do work. And now they're saying, don't wear a neck gaiter. Then now they're saying, now wear a neck gaiter, which neck gaiters are just bad fashion to begin with. But <laughs> then they say, remember, they scrub your Amazon packages. And then don't scrub your Amazon. Then don't go to, don't, and I, like, if somebody sneezes, you need to scrub yourself down. I was at Target one time. The line was long. I was like, you know what? I could clear this line out right now. <laughs> you a little pepper put it in my hand. Just, oh, she just start sneezing. Everybody just like. Now, this is, oh, God. Mass for children. I, Pastor P, what do you feel about that? <laughs> mass for children? Like mandating mass for children? I got two words. Child abuse. Now, in the last service, we had a woman that said, so you're for killing children. Mm-mm. I'm not for killing children. So far, COVID has claimed the lives of between 550 and 575 children, most of which had pre-existing conditions. That is not to diminish the death of any child because death, once again, sucks. But, but your child is more likely to die in a car wreck on the way to school than they are to die of COVID. And the psychological and spiritual and sociological effects that masks are having on children, they're causing unnecessary anxiety, fear, and frustration that long-term is going to be a bigger pandemic than COVID ever had a time to be. Now, th this is my other favorite. When people go, well, you know, you should wear a mask because Jesus said, love your neighbor. Well, when Jesus said, love your neighbor, I'm 99.9% .9 sure it was not in reference to mask. Love your neighbor is not a verse you can drop on someone to guilt them into doing something that you want them to do. I'm just saying, if we're going to use scripture, let's use it properly. More children, I mean, and the, the people come out, well, 550 children, Perry, but even one child is too much. Okay, well, if you're that concerned about children, that, because, you know, the leading cause of uh, death in America today is actually heart disease. Number two is cancer. So if you're really concerned about children, let's not worry about the mask and just stop taking them to McDonald's. We Okay. That's all I had to say about masks. <laughs> Children, McDonald's. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. For those that are really worried about killing children and you're screaming about masks on your social media account, I notice that you're dangerously silent about abortion. If you're concerned with the children.
Lockdowns. 15 days to slow the spread. 15 days to slow the spread. My, my daughter, Karis, asked me, she said, Daddy, what are you going to do if America tries to, to lock down again and they tell the church that the church can't meet? I said, it's easy, baby. I said, we're not going to lock down. Now, listen, I'm not saying that to win points with people. I'm just telling you spiritually, it's not the right thing to do. Because, it, it, first of all, all the counties, all the states, and all the nations that lock down, the COVID rates are spiking dramatically. Second of all, if you really watch the whole lockdown thing, it's not about safety. It seems to be more about control. So, I mean, if they, if they lock the United States down, I'll see you on Sunday. Last but not least, I saved the least controversial for last. <laughs> Vaccines. <laughs> I've had so many people ask me, like pull me aside like it's a secret. Hey, man, what do you think about a vaccine? And I, I'm like, is this illegal right here? Like we don't have to whisper about it. We can talk about it. So. I didn't know until about three or four years ago that there's a category of people called anti-vaxxers. Just overall anti-vaxxers. Now, if you're here today, I don't, I don't want to talk to you after the service because I don't have time and I know everything you're going to say because you have a folder in your purse. <laughs> I know this because the person that was anti-vax had a folder in their purse. They were like, no, no, let me show you this. And I was like, dear God, I'm probably going to die because I got, like, I, I, I got, I, when I was a kid, in the 70s, they just took you to the doctor and they gave you shots. And then I just remember, I was old enough to remember you're getting a booster shot, um, which always hurt. Um, but I, so I am, I am not an anti-vaxxer. And if you're an anti-vaxxer, listen, praise God for you. And I'm sure you've got a reason for that. And it's a personal conviction. I am for you as a person. And praise God you're here. However, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. So when the vaccine came out, um, I, I, people were like, how do you feel about the vaccine? And this was my answer. Well, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. I mean, on one hand, it got developed quick. On the other hand, we are more scientifically advanced as a, in the world than we've ever been. And, and so, like, I, I don't know. And then it got political. Let me tell you how I feel about the vaccine. If you took the vaccine, like if you got the vaccine, good for you. It's a personal decision. It's an individual decision. It is your decision. There were people that called me personally, said, this is my situation. I think I need to take the vaccine. What do you think, Pastor P? I'm like, I... I agree with you. I think that is the right decision for you. If you're, if you're older, if you have pre-existing conditions and the vaccine, listen, if you took it, listen, you didn't do anything wrong. I, I'm, I am angry at the vaccine shamers. Like, God, you need to get a life. But if you, on the, on the flip side, if you did not get the vaccine, for whatever reason, maybe you're skeptical, maybe you don't understand, maybe you talked to a medical professional and they told you not to get the vaccine. If you didn't get the vaccine, I support you 100%. I stand with you 100%. I, I agree. I agree with both sides. Now, this is, this is the thing. Saying all that, I'm saying it's an individual choice. It's an individual choice. But I think the United States government mandating vaccines is one step away from tyranny. Yeah. 
heard a lawmaker said that they're going to go door to door. <laughs> You've never been to South Carolina, sir. <laughs> never been. Once you, I mean, you won't make it through Pickens. And I'll go on record for saying this, and this, I listen, I got heat for this in the first service. I'm sure I'll get it here too, but I, at some point, I have never heard a president of the United States tell the American people that his patience is running thin over a subject. I personally was offended. And the reason I was offended is because the president and Congress needs to understand we don't work for them. They were put in place by us to do what is best for us. I could say so much more right there, but I'll just kind of refrain myself. You shouldn't talk about politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm trying to do my best as a pastor to speak truth to the people. And listen, I just don't think it's right that it's mandated. People go, well, because, because, here's the deal. I'm following the science. They told us if you get the vaccine, you will not get COVID. That's not true. They told us if you get the vaccine, you will not die. That's not true. And don't quote me the statistics about the people that die with the vaccine or without the vaccine. Because if you're going to scream at me about the number of children, if one is too many, then one with the vaccine is too many as well. The, the number one question I've gotten about the vaccine, though, is, is it the mark of the beast? I, it's, it's crazy. It's people are like, oh, is it the mark of the beast? And then watching TikTok, which talk about some wisdom. <laughs> Dear God. I watch TikTok. And, and, and listen, let me pause and say this. I, I want to refute this because I had a couple people say this to me this week that I make fun of people that have gotten the vaccine and wear masks. I have never made fun of somebody that got the vaccine, ever, ever. I have made fun of people that wear masks. If you're in your car by yourself <laughs> with a mask on, that's stupid. I'm officially making fun of you right now. Ha, 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 ha. Is the vaccine the, the mark of the beast? That's the number one question that I've, I've had, and, and no, it's not. It's, it's not the mark of the beast. It's, it's not the mark of the beast. I know what the, the hyper-charismatic pastors are saying. I've seen it all. It's not the mark of the beast, but let me, let me just, just kind of say this, and this is where we're going to take a turn that a lot of people aren't expecting. We can't dismiss the symbolism that we're taught in the Scriptures. The book of Revelation, which I love, by the way, the book of Revelation talks about a man named the Antichrist. And this man named the Antichrist will have this thing called the mark of the beast. Now, what's interesting about the vaccines is now they're demanding, in some locations, vaccine passports. In New York City, in the United States, you cannot go to a restaurant, you cannot go to a bar, you cannot go to a gathering unless you have your vaccination card. Right? Am I right? Said anything wrong so far? You can't be in business if you don't have a vaccination card. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm right. So you technically can't buy or sell without the vaccination card, correct? Now, can people, um, can you get a fake vaccination card, yes or no? Yeah, yeah, we know a guy in Belton, hook us up, right? <laughs> So would it make sense for them at some point to take the vaccination card and move it to a chip? Stay with me. He, meaning the Antichrist, required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be, to be given a mark on the right hand or the forehead, hand or the head, hand or the head, hand or the head, and no one could buy or sell 
anything, huh, without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So I don't think it's the mark of the beast, but I do think it's a setup. Something seems to be testing the waters. Now, stay with me for just a second. I didn't do this in the last service. Some people are like, Perry, I would never take a mark on my hand or on my forehead. You're right. Let me ask you a question. When you hold your phone, when you talk on your phone, the hand and the head, the hand, and let's not be, let's not think, you've seen too many end time movies where they're lining people up and giving them a tattoo on the forehead. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. A chip? Once again, I'm not saying it's the mark of the beast because I don't believe it is. But I believe it's a precursor. And I believe the horns in heaven that are announcing Jesus coming back are starting to warm up. Because I believe his coming is closer than it's ever been. There's too many signs happening. And I don't say that to scare anybody. I'm telling you, when I say that, it fires me up. Because if I get to see Jesus and be with Jesus, I win. I win. And so do you. So what does that mean for us? As a church, I think the first thing we need to begin to do is pray. I think we need to begin to pray for courage because it's time for the church to rise up. We have been too silent for too long. We've got the greatest. Listen, the world is getting nothing but bad news. We've got the good news. Let's pray for God to open up opportunities where we can share the good news with people that are desperate to hear good news. Let's pray that God will fill our church. Let's pray that God will fill our hearts with joy and peace. I believe that prayer works, and I believe prayer works in any situation, including this situation. Number two, let's participate. How do we participate? We participate by sharing with people. There is a man named Jesus who died on a cross who really is the Alpha and Omega, and he is the great physician. This is, what I, this is what I discovered when I had COVID. When I didn't have it, he was protecting me. When I had it, he was with me. If he had taken me, I would be with him. But he left me here, so there's still work to be done. And if that's true for me, that's true for you. Let's participate in what God has called us to do. And last but not least, and it took me a while to get here. I wish I could go here on autopilot, but it took me a while to get here. We need to learn how to praise. We need to learn how to worship in a situation like this. Because you know what? Why worry when we can worship? Why worry when we can put our focus on Jesus? Because when we focus on Jesus, it doesn't necessarily make the problem go away, but it changes our mindset. What would happen if the church could say, you know what? I'm going to praise him in 2019 and 2020 when the economy's good and all, everybody's healthy. I'm going to praise him when it seems like everything is falling apart. God help me if I can't praise him in the bad times like I can the good times. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul went to a city called Philippi. He went to Philippi and he, him and his friends and they were sharing Jesus, they were talking about Jesus. And the government of the city arrested him, beat him with whips, and put him in chains. Talk about a lockdown. That was a lockdown. And Paul could have played the victim card. Paul could have worried. Paul could have freaked out. But Luke tells us in the book of Acts, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. They said, we're not going to worry. We're going to worship. It's midnight. It's dark, but we're going to worship. Everybody in this prison has lost hope, but us too, we're the only ones that have hope. We're going to sing. And what happened when two people were committed to singing? Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. 
all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. I believe the church holds the key to setting the world free of worry and anxiety and fear and doubt if we would just praise and worship instead of immersing ourselves in worry. If God can use two believers to set an entire prison free, what could he do with hundreds of people gathered together saying, I will not worry, I will worship because God is greater than anything coming against me. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I wanna thank you, God, that you are greater than anything that comes against us. I wanna thank you that you are stronger than anything that comes our way. I wanna thank you, God, that you set people free. God, you make a way through the sea. You open up highways. We thank you for that. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're gonna do. We'll sing your praises in Jesus' name. Jesus, I wanna thank you today that you are about setting the captives free. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you might feel like the loneliest person in the room. You might feel like your anxiety over this situation has crippled you or you've taken steps back spiritually and right now it's just a chance to tell Jesus, Jesus, help me get my mind right. Help me get my heart right. Make things right, Jesus. Show me that next step. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus into your life. You know that's your next step. You know that's what you need to do. You need to ask Jesus in your life so you can have the joy and you can have peace when you face storms like like the nation has faced, like the world has faced. That's you and you know you need Christ in your life. I want you to pray with me right now where you stand. Just just pray this prayer in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. And rose from the grave. To pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus. I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. You can have complete control. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name. My head's still bowed and I'm still closed. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Jesus to come into your life, would you do me a favor and put your hand up and just shoot it up real quick. Shoot it up high because I want to celebrate with you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Other hands, 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 hands. Father, I want to thank you for these hands in the air. I want to thank you for lives that you've changed. I want to thank you for courage that you've given us. I want to thank you for hope that you've given us. Father, I want to thank you for peace that passes all understanding. I pray as we walk out of this place today, we would walk out of this place filled with joy, knowing that we've been in your presence and knowing that in you, the best is always yet to come. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen and amen. Are you glad you came today? Don't miss next week when we wrap this series up. I love you guys. God bless.